substitution. Call to the bullpen on the AL Central episode of the State of the Division podcast. Jack McMullen, that's not Ryan Miller. That's the Michigander, Clay Snowden, wearing his Detroit Tigers hat. He's got his Michigan State. Uh, what do you call that? Like a little, it, it's not a poster. It's a piece of art in the background. What's going a on? A piece of artworks. Um, the, the Michigander coming alive from Kentucky. Yeah, perfect. Where on the mitten are you? Do you point to, uh, to where I, you are? I do mitten? not. If Kentucky were to be like a state, I guess I'd be somewhere in the middle of here. I understand. The Lexington native, the Reds fan, is deciding to go from the NL Central to the AL Central to walk you through what's going on on this Tuesday, May 10th. Um, you are usually on the state of the NL Central with Ethan Badowski, and you guys Friday off morning. the top in the trailer said this might be the worst division in baseball this year. I think my division might be worse than your division. Yeah, and I texted or uh, told you a stat today that the Cubs have as many wins as the Reds in the past, like, 10 days. So, really, I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about who's worse. But um, regardless, we're talking about some bad divisions. Who's more miserable, you or me? <laughs> it's a competition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, as it currently shakes out at the moment, you got Minnesota at the top at 18 and 11. You got the White Sox right behind them at 14 and 13. The Guardians at 14 and 14. Kansas City is 9 and 17. Detroit is 8 and 19. You've got some of the hottest teams in Major League Baseball over the last 10 games. You've got some of the very worst teams in Major League Baseball over the last 10 as well. Minnesota, the White Sox, and the Guardians are all 7 and 3 over the last 10. Minnesota's won three in a row. The White Sox have won six in a row, but that's because they ran into the anemic Boston Red Sox over the weekend. Um, and then you've got Kansas City at three and seven and Detroit at two and eight. Looking at this division as a whole, does it get more polarizing than this in recent stretches? Um, I'm not sure that it does. I mean, you've, you've got to be kind of happy for the Twins because of where they were this offseason. They could have yeah. torn it down, done the rebuild, blame it on the market, blame it on older players and whatnot. Instead, they signed Buxton up to a great deal, went out, added, made some great strategic moves. Um, not that Gary Sanchez is part of that great strategic move, but they opened themselves up and added. And I, I like what they've done. I'm, I'm happy for them, and I'm, I'm really excited to see if they can carry it into the playoffs. Yeah, so while Gary might not be that exciting move, what is kind of exciting is Ryan Jeffers. Jeffers has been pretty solid for them, but they've got some other contributors right now. And a lot of them are the young guys. I know you're really excited to talk about the young guys. We saw Jose Miranda collect his first big league homer. We saw Royce Lewis collect his first big league hit. Um, the future is coming up and the future is sort of kind of now for Minnesota. Yeah. Do you remember during that draft with Royce Lewis, everyone thought Hunter Green was going to go before him. Yeah. And now Hunter Green is really struggling and and Royce Lewis looks like a big leaguer. It's been a few games and I'm probably jumping the gun, but um he he looks like what he's he's made out to be here. Okay, so what I will say is um I don't think you're jumping the gun at all because week 2 the Indianapolis Indians who I call games for went to St. Paul and played the AAA affiliate of the Twins and I saw Jose Miranda and I saw Royce Lewis there for an entire week. They played all 6 games. The weather was terrible, like with wind chill. It was 20 degrees or cooler each night, um, and it was just brutal. But the two guys that truly looked like they were too good for the AAA level were on St. Paul, and it was Royce Lewis and Jose Miranda. Miranda was impressive just because he sprays it all over the field and he does it with power, but 
Royce Lewis, I was really excited to see because we hadn't seen him in a minor league baseball game since 2019 before then. And that was the second week. Uh, and we were like, okay, what are we getting here? Right. Because they had just played Louisville that opening week, which right. I'm sure you were watching a little bit being the Reds guy. So watching Royce Lewis, when you were watching him play Louisville, when I was watching him play Indy, this guy looked like a big leaguer from the jump and he just got his opportunity because of how well he was playing at AAA. Yeah. And he's looking comfortable. A lot of times when you see a player come up their first few, few at bats, um, they're pressing, they don't, it looks like they're not seeing the ball right. We saw that with Torkelson in Detroit, but Lewis looks comfortable. That swing is sweet. And it just brings the question, if they keep hitting uh, Sano's out, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know, not going to get another at-bat in Minnesota, not exactly a positive player anymore. But what do you do with like a Luis or eyes? Is he going to lose at-bats? Is he a trade chip? Where, where do you see that going? Yeah, I, I think he has to lose at-bats because you look at the middle infield as it stands right now, and you already have one of the better middle infields in the American League with Correa and Jorge Polanco. Polanco, by the way, I love. I have loved him for a minute. I love him now, and he's getting his flowers at the moment because Minnesota is playing really well. Um, I think Polanco and Correa's the tandem is the tandem. We'll see what Correa does with his opt-outs, right, with his player options there. It's a one plus one plus one. If that's the case, then Polanco stays at second and Royce Lewis is the shortstop next year. But this year, there's no reason Royce Lewis should go down. I think Arise is the odd man out here. Um, and listen, we were just talking about it before we hit the record button. You can go get pitching depth with Luis Arise. He is a piece that a lot of contending teams would like to have. A guy that's totally bat to ball and a guy that can hit north of 300 in however many at-bats you want to give him. Go get a setup guy. Go get a back-of-the-rotation arm with Luis Arise. And if Miguel Sano is worth anything, Miguel Sano. Yeah, I don't think he's worth anything. I don't know. The White Sox are 14 and 13 at the moment. Um, they're seven and three over their last 10. Again, they just swept the Boston Red Sox. They've won six in a row. This is a team that is slowly but surely getting healthier. And yesterday they activated Yoan Moncada off the IL. They activated Joe Kelly off the IL. In turn, pour one out for Jake Berger. Guy goes back yeah. down to Charlotte. Um, but I think a lot of the questions remain with the pitching, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. Vince Velasquez is not going to be on anyone's fantasy team, um, but he's put together a couple of decent games here. And if him and Dallas Keuchel just, it sounds so funny to, to mention like an $18 million player in this, but if those guys can just hold it together enough until the reinforcements come, until injuries kind of lighten up a little bit, um, that would be huge. But another big thing this week was Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, all having good weeks together. That's not necessarily something that's happened much this season. And just like last year, this team can be so fun. And they have so much to watch and to get excited about. It was a bad start, but I don't think it's going to be a bad finish. No, at, at full strength, this team is incredibly exciting. And you've got Yohan Moncada coming off the, coming off the, uh, the IL. You're still without Andrew Vaughn and Eloy Jimenez. But even without those two, this offense at 75% strength is enjoyable to watch. At 100%, that's when we start dreaming about the World Series and we call it borderline most exciting offense in baseball because one through nine, there's intrigue there. 
There's still not intrigue one through nine with Moncada back, but Moncada provides a lot more intrigue. Um, from an outside perspective, what do you think of Yohan Moncada as a baseball player and how he's progressed from being, you know, that top prospect in all of Major League Baseball to being Yohan Moncada of 2022? I think I fell into a trap that many people do, and that's sticking with the idea of what they would have become too long. So yeah. my mentality is still like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be so legit. And you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think he's a really good player. Um, he gets on base at a pretty decent clip. Like he does some things nice. I just think the ceiling is different than what it once was thought to be, but they don't need him to be the, you know, cleanup hitter, the three hole hole hitter. They just need him to be consistent and healthy. You don't even need him to be the two hitter. You can have him be the six hitter in a fully stacked lineup. You can have him be the six. That's perfect. Moncada is Moncada has turned himself into a very talented defensive third baseman that you're right. Gets on base a lot, but he also strikes out a lot. There's a chance that he hits 20 to 25 homers. Uh, you're right. I think the, the frame of ceiling for Yohan Moncada has totally changed because it, at one point we were saying this guy can win multiple MVPs. Now we're saying this guy can be an all-star when he's, when he's fully on. And you know what? I'm going to take an all-star for that. So I'm excited to have Moncada get back to go back to the Velasquez and Keuchel thing. Keuchel's going to stay in the rotation for a little bit. Um, you've got Cease and Kopech absolutely shredding right now. Those two look great. And Dylan Cease looks like a Cy Young Award winner. White Sox have Cleveland uh, to open this week. And we had Kopech and Plesak last night. Um, but Velasquez is going to be unseated by Johnny effing Cueto. I see Johnny Cueto start one time this week uh, for Charlotte in Indy. Apparently, according to Rick Hahn, that's going to be Cueto's last start at the AAA level, and he'll be back up. And then it's looking like a mid to late June return for Lance Lynn. So once Lynn is back, if Johnny Cueto dials in his Reds fame, uh, I, I'm really excited for White Sox baseball. You will love Johnny Cueto regardless. Um, the aesthetics of watching him pitch is bizarre in a way that's intriguing and awesome. Yeah. Are you still on the boat that the White Sox will win the division this year? I am. Um, I just think that the talent is so much better position to position. Yeah. Um, I think that the Twins have a lot of intrigue and upside. Um, but how often do we see it? We see a team that adds it. Not often do you add to a pretty good team and it goes to a great team. It usually takes a year or two. Um, and the twins have some, some young players that are going to be good, but I feel like, you know, maybe next year, the year after that is more likely. I just think that the white Sox have too much talent and experience. They're good, man. Um, I don't know. How, what, what do you think their win total is? The White Sox or the Twins? The White Sox. Can they get to 88? Does that win the division? I don't know, man. This division's... It sucks. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. May, the wins might just come because you play Kansas City and Detroit all the time. Yeah, that's true. My Tigers, baby. Your Tigers. We'll get to your Tigers actually at the very end of the episode. I'm so sorry. But Cleveland is third right now. They are an even 500. Same number of wins as the White Sox. One more loss. They're 14 and 14. J-Ram is continuing to light the world on fire. Starting pitching looks fine. I do want to slam the panic button on Shane Bieber, though. 
Is that fair? Absolutely. The Vila was way down, had the worst start of his career this last outing. Um, we know about the injuries, and now the huge question is, is he healthy? And if he isn't, we know that we know that they have you know the ability to develop pitching, and they've done a good job, but the Shane Bieber question is huge. Well, so you're an expert, and everybody should be taking your word as law. Um, is Shane Bieber fully healthy? Absolutely. I earned my medical degree. Yes. <laughs> We're talking to Dr. James Andrews here on. on yes, State exactly. Um, Shane Bieber is dead. You know, he's interesting. But hey, you do you know who's picking up the slack? Some is Tristan McKenzie. He might have finally figured it out a little bit. Very strange up and down year last year has looked good this this season. And um, he's a guy that I'm, I'm watching clo- closely going forward. The big thing with McKenzie is nine walks in 29 innings. That's not bad for him at all. I'd prefer that number there. Um, so with McKenzie, like the strikeout numbers are not necessarily where they could be, but the guy's sporting a sub three ERA. You're right. He looks good. And he's started five games. He's appeared in six first out and came as a reliever. I mean, this guy has gone 29 and a third. That's nearly five innings per outing. So this guy is giving you solid innings in an era where five from a starter is borderline good. So I I'm in on McKenzie. I like that. Going back to Bieber real quick, yeah, I mean, he got blown up against Toronto. This guy just doesn't look right. He, he just does not. And the breaking stuff, obviously, is, is awesome. And 80% of his breaking stuff is better than, you know, the majority of people's 100% breaking stuff. Um, I, you're right. Fastball velo lower than it's ever been. I mean, I saw him efforting 89 to the plate against Toronto. That was very weird. Yeah. And one player that's really helped them right now is Fran Mio Reyes terrible terrible first week uh-huh. 11 for 18 the past week that's a big bat in the middle of the order that can really help them especially if Quan and straw are getting on base in front of him and ramirez i mean it's not going to be the type of thing that's going to be all over tv um you know miles straw singers singles and Quan walks and whatnot but if Rand Mill Reyes can be there to knock him in and, and hitting consistently that that's big for this lineup yeah you've got a thought about the middle infield though yes um Jimenez needs to be the everyday shortstop part of the Lindor trade with Rosario Rosario has kind of been given that first try at it he was tried in center field it was terrible left field he can't really play there um shortstop he's probably like a 45 grade or so and like Everywhere else, he's worse than that. It's like, what do you do with him? Is He's still young enough and has shown enough last year that he's talented. Could that be a trade chip? Because right now, I mean, Jimenez just looks so much better defensively. His bat's coming around. I like what I've seen from him early on. And you know they have so much depth in the middle infield in the prospect ranks. They've got a shit ton, man. Um, Too much. They've got too much, um, and they're going to need to trade some of those guys, probably at the lower levels like double A or, or high A. Um, I'm kind of with you on Andres Jimenez being that, you know, everyday shortstop until Gabriel Arias comes up. And I, I don't right. think Gabriel Arias is that far away. I do think he just went on the injured list, though. Um, I think he got hit with a pitch, so he's on the injured list here. Um, but that's with AAA Columbus. So he's going to need to come back and, and be good. Arias appeared in two games, went one for eight. He, he played in a doubleheader when, you know, COVID just ravaged the Guardians for a minute. I think Richie Palacio should play a little bit more too. So whether that's unseating Oscar Mercado, 
um, or things like that. Palacios can play a teensy bit of the infield too. Yeah, um, and they they just sent him down in order to get at bats, um, just because they didn't want him on the bench. But at the end of the day, you cannot have replacement level guys starting in the outfield every single day. Um, like Mercado is just a fourth out, outfielder at this point, and he's probably getting a little bit too many at bats. You think so? <laughs> I but know. Owen so. Mi- when Owen Miller is taking over first base, playing as well as he does, no matter what, that that pushes Josh Naylor to right field. Josh Naylor's been playing mostly right field, but he can also play first if Miller wasn't playing so well and finding that spot. It's just a weird puzzle right now of all these moving parts in Cleveland. It, it's super weird. Uh, and the good news for Cleveland is they did DFA Bobby Bradley, which was massive for them. They needed that bat off the roster, and they just needed uh, bats elsewhere. I saw Bobby Bradley at the alternate site in 2020 hit a ball almost out of the Louisville ball ballpark. And I was like, this guy's legit. Like, I don't need to see anything else. He's legit. That's the John Singleton effect. Yeah, exactly. Those guys are brutal. Um, We don't have to spend much time on, on the bottom two teams in this division. Kansas city is one of the least, um, invigorating teams in baseball i was thinking of the right way to put it because like they don't inspire me whatsoever there there's not an ounce of my being at this moment that makes me say let me turn on the kansas city royals right now even with the top prospect in all of baseball according to just baseball.com on the roster and playing all the time and you got another top 30 guy in mj melendez that's playing a lot now too there is nothing that tells me that I want to turn on the Kansas City Royals and watch them play baseball. And I know how much baseball you watch every day. How much Kansas City Royals baseball are you watching right now? Only the Michael A. Taylor at-bats, right? Oh, good. As, as everybody. <laughs> no, I'm not watching much because, like you said, when you look at this lineup, it's a lot of guys that don't have much upside. Besides the two top prospects that you highlighted, Hunter Dozier, all these other players, you know, Nicky Lopez came back down to earth a little bit. Um, there's just not much intrigue in that lineup. And the pitching staff has, you know, they had a lot of interesting names and people who've appeared on prospect lists, but it's not painting out right now. If Daniel Lynch being a pretty average pitcher is like, has everyone excited, that tells you enough about how everyone else is doing in that rotation. So there's one guy that has made a start so far for the Kansas City Royals that has a K's per nine over six. Does that tell you is all it, you got to know? Yeah. Who, who, is it Hernandez? No, it's not Hernandez. It's, it's Lynch. Who, Lynch, yeah. So Granky in 33 and two-thirds has struck out 10 guys. I was going to guess eight, yeah. He's been... Yep. That's under three strikeouts per nine innings. Brad Keller through 31 innings has 19 strikeouts. That's five and a half. But Brad Keller has been good. 31 innings, just six earned runs against him. Uh, Lynch, 24 and two thirds. He's got 25 punch outs. Carlos Hernandez, 18 innings, eight strikeouts. Chris Bubich, 12 and a third innings across five starts, eight strikeouts, 11 walks. Bubich has been terrible. Um, and they He's... optioned Brady Singer down. They optioned Coar down. I mean, this is, this is like everybody's worst nightmare in Kansas City coming true on the mound. Yeah, I mean, this was supposed to be the core going forward, and they're sending them back to the minors after a full year in the majors. That's alarming. Um, hey, how about Whit Merrifield's 353 OPS? You want to spend any time on that? All I want to say about him is why didn't they trade him the past 36 deadlines when he's been rumored to be traded at this mm-hmm. point? 
Mm-hmm. So do you think Benintendi gets a good contract this offseason? I like him a lot. I like him a lot. And he, I feel like he's the type of guy with his age, he'll be, I think, 29, and kind of the style that he plays. He could go to a team that's kind of in that first year of contention window if you wanted to and get a long, longer contract. You know, if a team says, okay, well, we, we want to give you a pretty long-term deal at, you know, a, a reasonable rate, I think he could take that more than, you know, he's not getting a monster contract, right? So why not go him in Cleveland would be fun. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'd, I, I just picture any corner out, outfielder in Cleveland right now would help a lot. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. Um, it would be hard because it's intra-division, but yeah. he also hits the open market at 28. He's 27 right now, um, turns 28 on July 6th. Did you know he was a Cincinnati kid? I did, yes. Reds so, okay, so school. there was a million years everyone's like, oh, you know, Benny to the Reds, they got to trade him. And then people were wanting to trade Jesse Winker for him straight up at one point. Huh. But you went and got Williamson instead. Yeah, exactly. Good work. good work, man. Benny and the Reds. He, that would be good, man. Maybe the Reds sign him. Then I, I was like going to mention that, but I didn't want to sound like a homer. You know? No, man. It looks like the Castellinis like spending money. Maybe they <laughs> dropped the bag on Andrew Benintendi. Um, and then we'll we'll end with your Detroit Tigers. Uh, they are eight and nineteen at the moment. They were two and eight over the last ten. They've lost five in a row. Offense. I listen. I'm guilty of it because I tweeted during spring training. I put out one of their spring training lineups that looked like their opening day lineup. And I said, this is a genuinely exciting batting order. Turns out they're not genuinely exciting at all. Well, to me, the thing with the Tigers, so they lost a few one run games in Houston this past weekend. Not the worst thing in the world, right? Everyone is struggling for them right now. Just do what everyone, any Tigers fan will tell you. It's the cold weather, man. You know, it's got to be the weather, right? The only player that's even starting to turn it around right now for them is Jamer Candelario, who also hit a home run, which is the only home run they've hit in the past seven days, the entire team. Um, Just really struggling. And the reason why they were somewhat intriguing last year is because Badu, Grossman, Eric Haas, Jonathan Scope, all of them were playing above their level of talent. So they really did well from about this point on last year. Now – They've come back down to earth. Um, Scooble looks like he's a legit piece going forward. Oh, yeah. Mize, there's still questions about. Um, and in reality, it's still a – to me, they're still on track. Like when I wrote about them back in December in their kind of path to contention, this is year one of building towards that. And what did they do in the offseason? They went and got Javi Baez and um, Austin Meadows and <laughs> Tucker Barnhart and <laughs> – and they, that's what it takes, though. You start to build the roster. You cannot remake it overnight. The biggest question now is who of these players that are getting everyday at-bats are going to stick? There's not a lot of 23-year-olds out there on the roster. It's mostly 26, 27-year-olds like Candelario. Is he good enough to sign long-term, or do you move on? There's a lot of those questions. But it's it's sad right now in Detroit, I can tell you that much. Yeah, 100%. Um, I. I don't know what their plan is with Candelario because they've got a guy coming up named Gage Workman, um, who yep. who I think factors in as a big league infielder for them. Obviously, Riley Green's going to come back. One of the guys that is looking less and less likely to be a part of their long-term idea is Akil Badu. He just got optioned down to AAA Toledo. Badu got 
optioned. You were telling me beforehand, and you wrote a great piece on Joe Adele getting optioned down to Salt Lake um, on JustBaseball.com. You can find that there. Um, but it, what do you think of Badu being optioned down? I think it could have happened even last year, but he was a Rule 5 guy, so there wasn't a path for him to be optioned without losing him. He is still 23 years old. Um, you know, it was kind of a surprise. All, all of last year and his success last year was a surprise. He showed the tools. He cannot hit lefties, swing and miss, but this guy still has upside, in my opinion. And taking the pressure off of him, and this is why it was so important for them to get Austin Meadows, because I did not think that Robbie Grossman could continue that production that we saw last year. He's fine. He's serviceable. He's a fourth outfielder. Derek Hill, Victor Reyes, Daz Cameron, these uninteresting names playing the outfield um, are just are just going to have to fill in for now because, I mean, I, I wanted them to get into to the Michael Conforto stakes before we <laughs> found out his news. I mean, I wanted them to do anything with that outfield because right now it's not not too great, but Riley Green will be coming back. There's, you know, there are brighter days ahead. Yeah. Well, maybe not in Detroit, the city, but for the team. <laughs> no, man, they're uh, they're gentrifying. They're putting <laughs> a bunch of new coffee shops and, and breweries in there. Uh, Clay Snowden, you were awesome as a fill-in. We've already taken out uh, 25 minutes of the people's time. Yes or no to end the pod? Minnesota, Chicago, Cleveland, Kansas City, Detroit. Is this how the division ends? Swap Detroit and Kansas City and swap White Sox and Twins. So White Sox, Twins, Guardians, Tigers, Royals, not gambling advice. <laughs> gambling, Kendall McKee and T-Wright have the AOS for you tomorrow. <laughs>